so I, I wrote about this a little bit in the bulletin, but I, I want to talk about it now as well. When it comes to something like a marathon, it's not necessarily just the race that's impressive to me, but it's all the discipline of the training that goes in to prepare you for the event. Because you got to wake up every morning and say, oh yeah, today's my short run day, and you do like nine miles. And then in my mind, what are you talking about? Your short? Oh yeah, okay, it's, like, it's just a percentage of what I will do later on. Uh, but do you guys know the, the history of, the, of the, the marathon and how that started? Let me uh, just indulge me for a minute as I share that. So the Battle of Marathon. Put yourself back in 500 B.C. We're 500 years before Christ, right? You've got the Battle of Marathon. And it's during this battle where it's, it's the first Persian attempt to invade Greece. Right, and so this battle is the culmination of that first attempt by Persia uh, in uh, under the reign of King Darius the first, of course. Right, we're all on board with that, right? Uh, and you know, even though the Persians were more numerous, uh, the Greeks were able to win this battle, and it decisively marked a turning point in the Persian or the Greco-Persian wars. Right, uh, so the, the story goes on, uh, and there's a picture of this guy. Uh, his name is Philippides. And he runs from Marathon to Athens to deliver the good news that the battle is won, right? And so as the story goes, he gets there, he says, rejoice, we conquer! And then he just falls over and dies. Uh, and he, in, in other accounts, they have him saying, Nike, which is victory in Greece. So uh, seriously, that, that's, where, that's where Nike comes from, is uh, victory. And, and so he collapses, he dies from exhaustion. And uh, you know, the more that you study out this story, you see you know, there, there's some myth involved, and it's kind of you know, evolved over time. Uh, but the more I studied it, actually, I learned, and here's a map. Let's look at this map. So what this guy actually did was he did go, uh, uh, he did go from... Wow, okay, uh, that's not my son, I promise. Um, so, he went, uh, he did run to Marathon, or run to Greece from Marathon, but first, two days before that, and I don't know if you guys can see this real well, but he first ran to Sparta to ask Sparta for help in this battle, and then ran back to Greece. So, in the two days before he ran the first marathon, he actually ran about 150 miles so that he could get there and back. And then, so, let me just run 150 miles, and then let me fight in a battle, and then let me go run a marathon, and then you understand that when he arrives, okay, he's pretty tired, falls over and dies. So, you know, this, this really explains why that might have happened, and, you know, whether you're getting ready for a race, or you're getting ready for a battle, you're getting ready for something, you've got to go through training, right? You've got to train yourself so that you can be ready for this event. He wasn't able to train his body to be ready for that type of exertion. But we too, in our, godly, or in our pursuit to be more godly, we have to take on this training. And when we're training, it's nice to have some tools to be able to help us. And that's, that brings us to what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, go, and go to the next slide here. So today, and Tracy talked about this uh, yesterday, or not yesterday, uh, last week, talked about this app that's coming out, 
manna for the morning, right? And a lot of you guys are familiar, uh, for 25, I think for about 25 years ago, Preston Shepherd put together these devotionals, and they lead people through the Bible uh, so that they can learn the concepts and the themes and whatever. So today is the day that that app launched, right? And so that's cool. Very good. Uh, I, I actually, I downloaded it this morning myself, so you can go into the Google Play Store or to Apple and uh, you type in manna for the morning, and you actually have to uh, do uh, MFM as well, and that brings you right to it. But manna for the morning, and you can find it there. Uh, if you're unsure how to do that, just find anyone that's 25 or younger, <laughs> and they'll be able to show you how to download an app on your, on your thing. But, you know, this is just a tool. This is a tool to allow us to be able to dive in a little bit deeper, to be able to take the Bible, understand what we're reading. It, from what I've seen so far, it, it looks really cool. Uh, it's got daily devotional commentaries. It's got illustrations and maps and charts and quizzes, all that you can use to track your progress with. And, and I thought in honor of this app, you know, and, and we're not really in a sermon series, I figured let's, let's talk about that story. Let's talk about manna coming down from heaven, the significance of that. And so you can go ahead and be turning your Bibles over to Exodus 16. The title simply for the lesson today for the message is Manna for the Morning. We're going to talk about that story in Exodus. Uh, also a bonus, you know, as you're turning there, uh, 100% of all the proceeds uh, from now until the 21st are going all to European missions. So if you're going to buy this app, really in the next three weeks is the time to do it, maybe even today. And all of our donations, yeah, going straight to EMS, so that's exciting. Okay, a little context. What's going on in Exodus 16? Uh, directly before this, the Israelites were in Egypt. They were enslaved. And now it's just been a short amount of time, but Moses is now leading them to the Promised Land, but they're taking a little bit of a pit stop 40 years or so long in the desert. Kind of a rough place. Let's see how they're liking that so far and start off in verse 1 of Exodus 16. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. That's a rough place to be in. Which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So it's only been like a month and a half, right? They've not been there very long. You would think, you know, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, that stuff, it's fresh in their mind. Uh, they had all these plagues, all this stuff, it's fresh in their mind. It's only been like a month and a half, right? Verse 2, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, and we ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Wow, you know, they've got uh, some feelings. They're feeling a certain type of way uh, to Moses and Aaron, right? So, you know, it's not been that long, but you start to imagine them in this situation, and they're walking around, and they're like, so it's been a month and a half, and we're running out of food, and I'm hot. And I, we're, we're in a desert. What, what, what's going on, God? What are we going to do? And then they, of course, uh, do a little bit of blame shifting, and they see Moses and Aaron, and they said, if only you guys had just left us alone. We were fine with our pots of meat, right? You know, but before we judge too quickly, let's try and put ourselves in this situation. You're hot. <laughs> you're hungry. You don't feel like there's going to be any relief anytime soon. You don't see a clear plan? Where are you in that? 
I don't know about you, but uh, two or three weeks ago, I went and I had the AC in my car recharged just because I knew that hot days were coming and I didn't want to feel hot so I can make sure I've got my AC taken care of before it's hot so that I don't have to be hot in my car <laughs> and that I don't have to have that extra you know, ounce of patience that I need to really just be kind to my wife even though I'm hot in my car. <laughs> Let's be real, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in a hot car without AC and you miss lunch, how are you feeling? It's been like an hour, right? You're like, oh, I haven't eaten since breakfast and it's horrible. <laughs> Put yourself in that situation. You're in the desert. You're carrying everything with you that you needed to now live in a new place. And you start adding in the idea that kids are there too. Oh, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. It's like, oh, cool. All right. Uh, yeah, I can, I can be disciplined. I can, I can have a good attitude. I can... And then you, oh, okay, but now I've got a baby with me. Now what? And you think about the, just some of these life situations that are going on. It's a whole nation of people. Yeah. Put yourself there. Let's go over to the New Testament. Go to First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 10. You know, Paul uses Israel's history as a warning for us. And, and he talks about this here in First Corinthians 10, verse 11. He lists a lot of things that have happened to the Israelites and then he says this in verse 11. He says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Paul uses these guys and their situation, what they were going through, for us to be able to look at their life as a warning and say, Oh, wow, okay, I've got to put myself there. And let us not judge too quickly. You know, why aren't, why aren't the Israelites just figuring this out? Why do they keep on making these dumb mistakes over and over, over and over? And then we read verses like James where it's like the Bible's a mirror, you're the Israelites. <laughs> All right, okay. You know, it, it's important that we take this stuff to heart. Let, flip back over to Exodus 16. We're going to be doing a little bit of flipping back and forth. So just uh, if you want to keep a, a finger there, we're always going to be going back to Exodus 16. Uh, but what's amazing about some of this is that the Israelites, they just blame Moses and Aaron. And, you know, we can start to understand that. Somebody's got to take the blame. This guy's in charge. We might as well blame him. And, and that's kind of the risk that you take every once in a while when you assume a, a leadership position. You could be doing 99 things right, but then all the people see the one thing that you missed, and then they highlight that thing and they disregard everything else that you did well. And if you have any kind of a leadership position where you work or in the community in some way, you know people see that thing, they grab onto it, and they're like, this guy's doing a horrible job. <laughs> can, can you believe this? We're in the desert and we don't have food. How obvious is that that we would need food? And they start blaming this guy. You know, the, the temptations for the leader to fire back a long list of all the ways that he's served them in the past and he's trying to defend his motives and maybe even shift the blame to God and say, it's not my fault, it's God's fault. Look, guys, you were slaves in Egypt. Well, at least we had pots of meat, right? And the, the, the back and forth can go that way. Uh, let's keep on reading here in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. 
course, so that they could have the Sabbath and they wouldn't need to work on the Sabbath. So God steps in and he provides, obviously, the most logical solution. I'll just bring bread down from heaven and these guys will be taken care of. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, we've got this covered. The people really weren't complaining uh, about Moses. Uh, they're really, their relationship was God, with God was what they were complaining about. God, aren't you going to take care of us? God, are, are you just going to let us suffer and die out here in the desert? And he answers those questions with the following sentiment. Day by day, I'm going to give you what you need. Don't worry about it. And it's such an easy and simple uh, sentiment just to say, but we've got to also decide to take that sentiment and apply it to our own lives. God, I'm going to take, you, I'm going to take this thing day by day. You're going to give me what I need. I'm going to be okay. You know, it, it can be difficult to believe that something like this could actually happen for us. And I'm not saying that you should stop going grocery shopping because God will, you know, like, just drop an Amazon Prime, you know, like drone food box on your doorstep. Uh, I, I think, you know, we really are focusing on being able to be sustained and fulfilled by the Word of God daily if we're relying on it on a daily basis. Day by day, God, I'm going to do this. Okay, great. How do we do this, though? Let's go talk about Jesus. Go over to John chapter 6. Because really, and, and this will all become clear by the end, but this was all just kind of an elaborate scheme, I think. <laughs> you know, this is, this is something that I'm going to teach the people, of the, uh, I'm going to teach the Israelite people so that later on they can look back at this and remember the principle. And, uh, and we now actually have it as an example, like 1 Corinthians talks about. But in John 6, the disciples sort of have a similar question. How do we do this? How do I... How do I actually rely on God in a daily way? Verse 28 of John 6. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? It's a fair question. What do I have to do? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good deal. I just I don't want to be hungry again. Then Jesus declared, You... Guys are so unbelievable. No, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So what do we do? What must we do? What does God require to believe in the one that he sent? Man, that sounds so churchy. We should just go home. Like, to believe in the one he sent. All right, and peace be also with you. It's like, <laughs> this belief is not just an acknowledgement that he existed. You get that? This belief is not just an intellectual understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a realization that his ways are greater than your ways. 
His ways are ways that you can trust with every aspect of your life. It's a belief that is characterized by action and is confirmed by your deeds. Jesus is our manna. And without his ways, without a daily connection with him, without us going to the word for his ways, your life will be characterized by starvation. It's a starvation of joy, a starvation of peace. Believe in the one he sent. What does that really mean? It means that you're going to surrender. Kind of like Mike was talking about for communion. I mean, we're going to surrender to his will. Because we believe that that is really the call for us as disciples. The Word is the only thing that can sustain us. The Word is the only thing that can give us life. The Word is the only thing that can give us meaning and happiness. But it's hard! You don't understand. I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm hot and I'm hungry and my baby's crying. That's a real life situation. Uh, let's go back to Exodus, and we're going to check back in on the Israelites, see how they're doing. They're still there. We left them right where we left them. Uh, they're still in the desert, so let's figure out what they're doing. Verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. He heard them. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be f- uh, filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came down and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Uh, The word manna, it literally means, what is it? (laughs) Which I think is so funny. Uh, If you're offered something to eat, (laughs) and you have to ask the question, what is this? (laughs) That's usually a bad sign, right? Uh, If I I ever was given a a meal from my parents or something, and I said, what is this? That probably wouldn't go over too well with my parents. And what's the, you know, if you're a parent, and you give your, your kid a meal and then they're having some attitudes about it, what's kind of like the go-to parental response? Just eat it! <laughs> just, I gave you something to eat, just eat it! But isn't that so much like what we can be like when we're confronted with God's ways? What Jesus is really like? Matthew 6.25, right? It says don't worry. Jesus tells us not to worry. But when I'm looking at that as a standard for my life, I like to worry. Worrying lets me have more control, or so I think. Don't store up treasure on earth. Jesus tells us not to store up treasure on earth. Okay, uh, how do I do this? What is this? What do I do with this? <laughs> right? And, and that's kind of like what we're confronted with. In the same way that the Israelites were confronted with, what is this stuff? we too are confronted with that same idea when we have God's ways, which are so different from ours, kind of placed before us. Eat this. Do this. Pray for my enemies? I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that. That's so foreign to me. How do I 
I don't want to eat that. <laughs> right? But if we look at the Lord's instructions that he gave to Moses to give to the Israelites, we see that we're given a promise. And did you catch this in verse 12? It says, I've heard the grumbling of the, of the Israelites. Look, I, I know you're going through the wilderness. I know you're in a rough place. You're going to eat this stuff, right? And at the end it says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. When do you know that the Lord is God? When you eat it. <laughs> How do you even know if the meal's good? Yeah, okay, I ate it. And, and we have to do that. We have to say, you know what, I, I, I don't really know what this is. I don't know what this is like. I don't really know how to do this, what it's comprised of, what all the ingredients are like, but I'm going to eat it. <laughs> I'm going to take this and make it part of me. Uh, and this isn't the only place in the Bible that we get this sentiment, that if you, if you eat it, you take it, you do it, then you understand. Uh, go over to John 8, uh, and we're, we're coming in for a close, actually. Uh, John 8, uh, verse 31. This is a verse that a lot of us know. Uh, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How will you know the truth? How do you allow the truth to set you free? Eat it. Eat it. You take it. You make it your own. You make it part of you. How do you know if the teachings are going to be satisfying? How do you know if the teachings are going to give you joy? How do you know if you're going to have peace in your life and be sustained by the Word? You eat it. We have to do that, or else we can only assume that the inverse of this verse is true. We won't know the truth. We won't be set free. If you want to be sustained in the wilderness, then you're really going to need to be sustained day by day by the Word of God. And we know this, but every once in a while, we have to check in and really gauge our appetite. How much do I desire this on a day-to-day basis? The thing about an appetite is when you have a little bit, you kind of grow an appetite for a certain thing, right? And we've got to take it on a day-to-day basis and be able to really just know that it's the only thing that will sustain us. One last time, let's check in on the Israelites. See what happened to these guys back in Exodus 16. Verse 32. I love this sentiment. I love what happens here. Just grab onto these words, okay? Moses says in verse 32, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that they might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. You know, of all of the things that could have been put into the Ark of the Covenant, what gets put in there? You get, you get the tablet of the covenant law, so that's the Ten Commandments, And then what's the very next thing that gets put in the ark? Manna. Why would God do that? Why would manna be the thing that gets put in with the commandments? Because it's a day-by-day thing, guys. And this was a reminder that every day for 40 years as I wandered through the the wilderness, it it was hot and it it was hard. But every day I came back to these commandments, I came back 
to being sustained and fulfilled with my relationship with God. And then, so when we go back to John 6, when Jesus is talking about being the bread that has come down from heaven, can you imagine the impact that that would have had on the Jews in the first century? Where they see that and they say, oh, now we're starting to understand. And we too have to take that and do our very best to understand it. Uh, A relationship with another person, especially with God, is built on regular communication. You know that you can't have a relationship with somebody if you don't connect with them on a regular basis. And uh, a lot of things that uh, we've talked about in Cam's class, uh, even today, uh, that's all based on this idea. We've got to communicate with each other. The family of God is not going to be able to, to, uh, to fulfill us and uh, help us and support us if we don't actually love and are connected with each other in that way, in a communication that happens all the time, every day. Uh, reading the Word is God speaking to us in our prayers, and His working of the Spirit is our communication back to Him. Uh, guys, reading and studying the Scriptures is always something that God has desired, but we've got to hunger after it. And, and you guys know this, you know this, but like I said before, it's, it's good for us to gauge how hungry am I that I would want to eat it, even when I don't really know what it's like. Uh, let's close out and uh, go to Joshua, and, and I, I like this because it's after this time in Exodus, so it makes sense that, oh, they're still doing this. Uh, go over to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll read that together and then close out. Before we read it, one final plug, manna for the morning. If you're looking for a way to be fresh, to be in the Word, to be there every day, try manna for the morning. Try that. Joshua 1, verse 8. <laughs> Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Guys, uh, my prayer for you is that you would take this, meditate on it, Really make it part of your everyday life so that every morning you come and you get manna to sustain you in this life. Amen.